This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer here with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. And every once in a while, after 1,400 episodes, I get to interview someone that I've been waiting for, a legend in what I think is the best industry in America. It's the foundational industry of America. Every law in America has been made to protect the landowner since our constitution and Dave Linegar has figured out how to maximize real estate. Co-founder and chairman of Remax, welcome to the playbook. Thank you, David. You know, it's so interesting because uh, throughout all the successes and failures that I've had, and all the mentorship that I give, I always, when someone's looking to start a career, I lean towards real estate. My dad was a real estate syndication guy, commercial broker, um, but everything as I've gone through my career leans me back to just the basics of business that exist within the context of real estate. And you built one of the leading real estate companies in America based off of one simple content, concept, paying people a fair amount on what they do. Uh, and you know, your name of the company I know uh, was made uh, about paying maximizing commissions for real estate people so you can make money, help people and have fun. You know, how was it it took so long for people to realize to be abundant uh, in this huge industry of real estate? Well, you know, 50 years ago, uh, real estate brokers that owned the office split their commissions with their agents 50-50. Broker kept their half for overhead, secretaries, advertising, marketing. Uh, the agent kept their half for their income, but out of their half, they had to pay uh, automobile, insurance, entertainment, and such. Um, nine out of 10 real estate agents fail within one to two years. It's a tough business. Uh, there's no salaries. There's no advances. You come into it with a license but you don't know the business. You have to find customers, learn mortgages, appraisals, uh, qualify people, find customers. It's tough. Uh, the few that do make it within two or three years, they look up and say, why am I giving half to the company when I do all the work? So what Remax did was very unique. <clears throat> we said, why should people go through this mill and end up saying, I'm gonna open my own one person shop. They don't have any competitive advantages. They get all the commission, but they don't have size. So we said, why couldn't you run a real estate company like a co-op of doctors, lawyers, dentists, architects that all share in the costs of running the business and keep most of the fee for themselves? Controversial, very controversial. Uh, most people are skeptical. We struggled very, very hard for two or three years, but within three years, our agents were making about 85% of the commission after their expenses. The rest is history. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you pay people and you have even launched a new podcast based off of a principle that I look for in the people that I hire, um, but you are an icon when it comes to ambition and grit. Uh, I call it a desire that you must be what you can be a desire that allows you to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of your own potential. And that's how Remax was built. And that's how your top brokers have built their businesses as well under the umbrella of, of Remax. As a common denominator, you're talking so much on your podcast about ambition and grit. Talk me through pieces and parts of your career 
beyond the two or three struggling years when there was great people laughing at you, scoffing at you and making fun of you. And I tell people all the time, it's a great sign when people are laughing at me, scoffing at me and making fun of me, because it means if I do have ambition and grit, they'll eventually applaud me. I just have to make sure that I continue to have that belief and I ask for help. For you navigating your career, you've done so many extraordinary things beyond real estate. How has ambition and grit played a role in your successes and your failures? Well, I think that an, an incredible point of life is persistence. And nothing comes easy. Uh, I don't know of anybody who is an overnight success. And you start looking at the icons of the industry today, and you start looking at like Gates. Well, you know, 10,000 hours of playing with computers before he actually got a first job. And this is not a hobby. This was a passion. And so the, the idea of grit and ambition is this. Most people <clears throat> do have ambition. Most people don't have the grit or the stick to to say, I'm going to chase that. If you look at Olympic sports, there are tens of thousands of people that get up every day and say, I'm going to go win a gold medal. And there's only one that's going to get a gold medal. And how do you figure out who in that group had the personal courage and persistence to train three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon for nine years through the drudgery and the boredom and the crap you go through to get to this one person that gets the gold medal? Most people fail after two or three mornings of trying. And so the world is, is just awash with success stories. I started my podcast as a legacy thing. I've hired literally hundreds and hundreds of motivational speakers for Remax. We do 400 meetings a year in the United States alone. And I got to meet the best. I got to meet <laughs> those that weren't very good. And, and it's just amazing how many people became incredibly successful that didn't have a college degree, didn't have a silver spoon in their mouth, that didn't have the advantages, that overcame everything from addiction and problems and financial and divorces, and finally found a way to achieve the success they wanted. And so we look down on people that are struggling, but so many people they have the stick to itness that just keep trying and trying and trying, and they do achieve success. And combined with trying and ambition and grit is something that you and I both believe. And I still read Napoleon Hill every day. Uh, <laughs> Think and Grow Rich is one of my favorite books. In fact, I went to the Napoleon Hill Foundation when I wrote my first book uh, to figure out how I could create a legacy evergreen book that people would read again and again. And the layers of the onion would be peeled with great inspirational advice. Um, but there's a magic in that book uh, that I subscribe to. And I look up to you as I see in your career. Um, and some of the things I always say, you can't overachieve your own self-image. Uh, and you have to, you know, have a theory of more or an abundance of more than enough or, you know, really be able to think big. And if we look at, you know, Elon Musk or Branson, two of our modern day 
uh, people who really think bigger than some people can even imagine. And, you know, I think technology, unfortunately, sometimes is uh, the scariest thing for me is not its capability, but sometimes it's outdoing our imaginations. And I don't want it to stifle the most powerful thing we have is being able to think big. How important is it to have that magic still today, you know, to try to take a hot air balloon to outer space or, you know, have a tube under the world to travel from LA to Vegas? Uh, how important is that self-imagery that we can create in our own minds? Well, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is if you have small dreams and small goals, uh, you are going to accomplish small dreams and small goals. It's people who have a passion, who have a, a, a belief in themselves, a belief in their concepts. Uh, big dreams help you get over the day-to-day -day bumps and bruising that comes from not accomplishing your day-to-day -day steps. If you have this unbelievable passion for what you're doing, it will give you the strength to carry through because you know the end result's worth it. It certainly is. And how does faith play a role? Now you're talking to someone who later on in his career, uh, I lost over $100 million, went bankrupt in 2008, made it back in a different mindset, one of faith. And I have a basic principle that I love for you to give me your perspective of. I think simply, regardless of your theories, philosophies, religion, spirituality, if you believe in something bigger than you that loves you more than your mom, you're going to live your life protected and promoted, not punished. And that belief of being protected and promoted by some sort of omniscient, all-powerful source certainly has given me an edge, uh, even at my lowest points of my career and personal life. For you, does faith play an integral role in your success? And if so, regardless whether it's religious, spiritual, theoretical, or philosophical, you know, what does that faith do for you? I believe in the goodness of people. I believe that people do not have any clear understanding of how successful they have the ability to be. I've been quoted as saying, and I don't know where the, the saying came from, I wish to hell I could buy people for what I know they're worth and pay them what they think they're worth. Because most people have no idea how incredibly successful they can become. They need the mentoring. They need the mimicking. They need the people that can show them and guide them the way, that can give them a hand and say, hey, you can do better than this. And it, it's just amazing. We live in a wonderful world. People that watch the news channels, they think all oh, hell went to hell. Man, it's just <laughs> terrible. Every, there's murder here. There's blood there. There's plane crashes there. It's all nonsense. 95% of us live in a beautiful, beautiful society in America where we aren't hungry and we're not broke. And we have family, we do have friends. And so if, if you focus on the bad news, that's your focus. If you focus on opportunity, that's your focus. And we are in the most remarkable time period in the history of America. There are more fortunes being made, more new businesses being started, uh, more success being had, and it's, it's being done by people who have faith and belief. And that's, that's our world. 
and it's so overlooked. It's so amazing. I tell people all the time because I truly am proud uh, to be an American. And I always tell people I'm blessed to travel the world and speak around the world today. And I said, there's not one other country in the world that you could have nothing, nothing. You could be sleeping on the street in a sleeping bag and end up being the richest person in the world. <laughs> Literally, there's no other. And still today, your mom could float you down you know, the Mississippi River and somebody could pluck you out and put you at an orphanage and there's nothing stopping you but you, what you do, say, believe, think and feel, nothing stopping you from being the richest man or woman on earth. And that makes this country so extraordinary. Now, one of the other areas that you have excelled in is you're a team builder. Your entire business was based off of the idea of being a team and building a team and creating value within the context of a team. What was one of the secrets that you've learned? You know, Bob Parsons at GoDaddy had a beautiful statement. He said, Dave, you know, if you love what you do, son, it will tell you all its secrets. And I really want to get to those secrets of team building for you. Could you share with us one of the secrets that you've learned about how to build such a great team? I think uh, Jim Rohn said it best when he said 30 years ago, he said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That is an incredibly profound statement. So if, if I can digress just a second, if you're a ditch digger and that's honorable and it's honest and it's going to get paid, but it's very low income and it's low talent, you will be around other ditch diggers you will drive the same beat-up pickup truck. You'll go to the same corner bar and drink the same brand of beer. You'll go to the creek or the lake, and your vacation will be catching fish. And that's it. If you're a cardiologist, and say you're a woman, you go to college, you get a degree, you go to medical school, now you become a doctor, now you do a residency, now you go to the hospital, and you're surrounded by every single person around you is college graduate, high income, high net worth. You will go to the same country clubs. You'll drive the same cars. You'll speak the same vocabulary. And you'll have the same mannerisms. And you and your family will go to Bale or Aspen or the Alps. And that's your world you live in. The people that surround you have more to do with your success in your life than your college education, your family, your parents, or anything. It's the people you work with day in, day out. They either are supporters and growers, and you grow together, or they're detractors. If you want to lose weight and you tell your friends, I want to lose weight, and one of your friends says to you, oh, for crying out loud, Dave, you tried that 10 times and you lose 10 pounds, you gain it all back. Give it up. That's not a friend. That's not somebody that's going to empower you. That's not somebody that's encouraging you. And if you go and find two or three friends <laughs> that are kind of skinny and healthy and they go to the gym every day and you say, I really would like to change. Would you would you help me a little bit and encourage me? And they say, well, Hell yes, we will. We're proud to help you, my friend. You'll start adapting. You'll eat what they eat. You'll dress what they dress. You'll 
go out and you run, you go to the gym, you do it. It's, you are so tied into this mimicking concept of who's around you is who you're going to mimic. So true. And just to finish up, one of the other remarkable things about you as an entrepreneur, a leader, uh, a true uh, business icon is that you're open-minded, you know, as uh, I'm a middle-aged white male, a privileged middle-aged white male in America, and you seem to be a couple years uh, ahead of me in your journey. Uh, a lot of people in our uh, genre and our experience aren't as open-minded about how important it is to have equity and inclusion in business. And you have been at the forefront of making sure uh, that women in particular, that everyone has equal opportunity and equal pay. Uh, yet there's still some challenges to overcome uh, because of the fight that you've been fighting for so many years for equity and inclusion before it became cachet and, and before anyone you know, created these great marketing campaigns around equity and inclusion, but just doing it because it was the right thing to do as a good person, which you are. Uh, what challenge do you see uh, that we need to overcome so that we can accelerate the effort of so many of us to provide equal opportunity and equal pay. There is a significant difference between diversity and inclusion. Diversity is an imposed standard that says these are the percentages of the population that are Catholic, Jewish, agnostic. These are the percentages that are Black, white, Asian, whatever it might be. And then they try to set a quota up. But that's all well and good because that can kind of open the door for people. That's diversity. Inclusion is, okay, so you're now in a working environment and you've got two Hispanic and two black and five white and it's time to go to lunch. Is the mentality of the group, hey, team, let's go to lunch. Or is the mentality, okay, well, you know, Mexicans, you go to lunch together, and you black people, you go to lunch together, and us white guys, we're going to the country club. That's there's no room for that. Inclusion is every team member is important. Every team member counts. Every feeling counts. And so maybe the mailroom clerk is Hispanic, but if he doesn't feel like in this office that's 80% white that I am included and I'm loved and I'm appreciated and I got some good ideas, then they leave you and they go someplace where they are. Inclusion is what it's about. Diversity is fine, but the inclusion of diverse ideas is what builds great companies. And you know that better than anyone else. And it's why I've become a good uh, a fan of your podcast, because I will tell you out of all the thousands of interviews I've given and been a part of, uh, the people ask me, what is the common denominator of someone like Dave Lindiger or Bob Parsons or Cameron Diaz or Marshall Falk, whoever it may be? I said, it's quite simple. They have a desire that they must be what they can be. And that's the ambition and grit uh, check out the podcast, please, everyone. Let's learn the lessons from those before us who have paid the dummy tax. Uh, we don't all have to pay that dummy tax. We can learn from the radical, humble leaders 
uh, like Dave Linegar, and uh, it's certainly been an honor. I look forward to do much more with you. I have many other shows, and with uh, I think I'm actually even going to be on your podcast. Uh, in anything I can do to be of service or value to an icon uh, like you, thank you for providing so many, so many options, opportunities, and touches of favor in so many millions of people's lives. Uh, you've had a great impact on the world, and I'm sure you'll continue to do so. The incredible Dave Linegar here with me, Dave. Meltzer on Entrepreneurs, the playbook.